Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome. Uh, Keen on Things podcast this is episode 11. Thank you for joining me. Uh, it goes to 11, right? Finally, I can um, put the digits there instead of writing the words out to the number. Because I think from 1 to 10, you have to write the number out. You have to spell it out when you're typing or writing. Now I can just put the digits, man. It's a whole new world. Uh, big weekend. Big weekend. 2020 just keeps getting better. Am I right? First of all, shout out, happy birthday to the Duncans, guys I grew up with. Um, I always think of them on that last last few days of May, the last few weekends. Sometimes Memorial Day is the um, second to last weekend in May. Sometimes it's the final one. But uh, they're my longest friends, people I've known the longest. Um, first grade, right? I think our, our, I think they were good friends because uh, our parents were good friends. Their parents were from Massachusetts or Boston or something, or uh, Connecticut, East Coast accents, really tough. Seven kids. Jesus, two sets of twins. Paul and David are the youngest. I've known them all my life. Saved my skin over the years. Cost me some skin over the years. If you know what I mean? Them and the Paritas. Um, the Parita boys, just five of the toughest guys I still ever met. And uh, I'd say maybe even the toughest kids in the county. That includes Santa Ana. But I used to roll with them. Sean Regan and such. The Bryans lived up the street. There was a lot of characters in that neighborhood. I think the Capiancos didn't live far. They all carpooled together. The Palickies. Um, Yeah, toughest kids in the county. I think it's because I was such a pussy coming from... Uh, we moved out here twice, once in 78, once in 84. And we moved out here twice, and that was the first time. And they were tough, man. And it's like the movie Unbreakable where Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis find each other because one is so resilient and the other one is is the opposite. And, you know, felt safe, felt protected. Don't know why I needed that in first grade in private schools, but whatever. Um, having fun doing this podcast. Uh, am I staying on topics long enough? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to try to keep it less frantic. Uh, I jump around a lot, as I will in this episode. Um it's going to start with the big events of the weekend with George Lloyd and the uh, protests and the looting, and then we will uh, soften it up. We'll soften the blow a little. Not that we need to soften it, because we're all adults listening to this. I don't know who would listen to more than one episode of this podcast. I really don't. Um, you know, I don't have a guess. I don't have a point of view. I don't have any strong stances. Maybe I do. Too vague. What are you, reading the Yelp reviews? Nah, this is the host talking terrible pitch man i don't even know if these episodes are any different from each other but i feel like you can listen to one episode and get over it you know or, and get it or or not don't listen to any and you'd get it you'd be like yeah I, I know i get it it's easier to take an extreme stance and just toe the party line and cherry pick your facts and details maybe i should do that um like so many news people do um so we had the uh L.A. protests that turned into basically riot control, which was interesting. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I don't know if it's about the looting as much as it... Like, I tweeted that a continent was looted for centuries for slave labor, but no problems there. <clears throat> the riot gear is such an escalation. When that comes out, I'm always like, oh, boy. It just sends the wrong message. Like, people that want to go to battle. That's what it says. Against their own people. So much of it is theater. 8 p.m. curfews, hilarious. Uh, they had the mayor of Beverly Hills on NPR, just in the most panicky voice. I was driving, like, right up until 8 on Saturday. 
And they had the uh, mayor of Beverly Hills just like, oh, it's like nothing's going to happen, okay? The only thing that's going to happen to Beverly Hills, aside from nothing like that's ever happened there, nothing has ever happened there, except actresses that want to make it get raped and murdered. And they disappear, and it gets covered up. That's what happens in Beverly Hills. So you can go back to that. Black Lives Matter, man. I mean, the fact that we have to say that is so beyond pitiful and sad. I remember in the 90s when I was working at Sealand, there was a billboard in San Francisco that read, Sex with a minor is a major offense. It's just pathetic that we have to put that in writing. You know, put it on a billboard as you're going down, was it Pine or Bush? Bush. You're going down Bush toward the Bay Bridge, and there was this billboard that said, Sex with a minor is a major offense. Like, oh, thanks, dude. Jesus, I almost did the wrong thing there, but thanks for that billboard. Then people are like, all lives matter. Oh, that's so noble of you. Way to, way to escalate. Way to take it up a notch. All lives matter, but not all lives are in danger like black lives are. That's why we say black lives matter. You know, a group of people that everyone takes things out on. Oh, you're not happy with your life, your job, or your uh, relationship? Oh, there's a race of people you can take it out on if you come across them. Um... All Lives Matter is like the people that are saying, hey, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't freak out when I'm called a cracker. Yeah, how often does that happen? Cracker versus the N-word. How many times has someone called you a cracker? Once? And how often have you even heard the word? And do you even think white person when you hear it? Or do you think like the cracker with the white box that's got a K instead of a C? Or you think Ritz? Is it even derogatory? I mean, were you even hurt by it? If anyone with a brain is called a cracker, they're probably more confused than anything. They're like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a club in Indy called Crackers. There's two of them, I think. Comedy club. There might be one now. I don't know. Uh, in R- Ripdale or something like that near the university. And then there's one downtown. I'm, I'm messing up wherever. Round, Roundale? I forgot what it's called. It's right near Butler, I think. But... Uh, Indianapolis is the most southern of northern towns, man. Crossroads of America. Nobody moves south to Indy, that's why. Any anybody that's moving to India is probably coming from the south to the north. Anybody in the north is going to like Chicago or Um, I don't know, Milwaukee, Detroit, whatever. Um, all those South Benders and Gary Indiana's and is it Merrillville? Grand Rapids. I'll tell you Grand Rapids, West Michigan, man. You could take that Chicago airport just as easily as you can take Detroit. It's crazy. The porters blow my mind. It's where Mellencamp meets uh, Seeger, man, that Indiana-Michigan border, crossroads of America. You know, Mishawaka Comedy Club there. Um, so, yeah, so I'm doing this podcast. I've got it set on uh, explicit. You have an op- opportunity, option to put it on explicit or clean. I just, to be safe, I do explicit, even though I don't really swear. Um, maybe I should put it on clean. Get me more listeners. I'd rather have it on explicit just in case. So much easier. Fuck it. <gasps> I was trying to get to the bottom of what um, exactly George Lloyd did and, like, you know, get past the news and their desire for viewers and constant headlines and stuff like that. Uh, from what I read, and you can call or text or whatever, email me. George Lloyd was at a cup food store. I don't even know if people know how it started. What I'm reading, cup food store, uh, called the cops on him because he tried to use a fake $20 bill. 
20 minutes later, he was dead. I mean, that's quite a jump. 20 minutes to get there. You got to get, you got to get word correspondence. Then you got to get there. You got to get him in custody, then do the damage. 20 minutes later, he was dead. What kind of fake $20 bill was he used? I mean, I wonder who is counterfeiting money and like, is it just the stuff you buy at like props places that you get? How close does it look that you think it would work or has it worked in the past? Um, who calls the cops on that? What store has that kind of time? Unless like those employees at the store have to deal with this kind of stuff every day. You know, people stealing stuff, people walking out with stuff. What? Oh, no, I was just, I wasn't leaving. I was just looking at this window here with all this product in my hands that I hadn't paid for yet. You know, who knows? Who knows what, what someone, de- de- you know, has to deal with. And they're like, finally, I- I'm calling the cops. I saw there was a, in the Cincinnati Improv, which was in Newport, Kentucky, once a server served a guy a hot dog that he didn't order. He ate it and the server wanted him to pay for it. It was like seven, eight bucks, right? Comedy club hot dog cuisine. Okay. The guy's like, I'm not paying for it. I didn't order it, but you ate it. Okay. So, um, they called the cops. Cops came and two cops had to deal with that. And I'm like, you're both wrong. I'm like, what if you split it? What if I pay for it? I'll put the money down. It's eight bucks. It was the dumbest. Like who has the time to waste a cop's time by reporting that? And why do four cops need to show up for a fake $20 bill? Things must be pretty good in Minneapolis. That It's like, oh, we can send four for the fake 20 I tweeted about that, man. I was like, you're upset about the looting of a Target, but no problem looting a continent for slave labor centuries ago. I was proud of myself. But I want to know the practical defense of the cops' actions. Just the facts. You know, was this guy, George, resisting arrest? To what extent? So what's legit and what isn't? People are so fed up, though. I don't know if they if they want to know the exact details. How much of it was in the rule book, and how much of the rule book needs to be changed? Those are the two questions. We know what we saw: a guy in cuffs and defenseless on the ground with a knee on the back of his neck. A fellow human being in this great land of ours. The Hennepin County Medical Examiner's autopsy revealed no physical findings that support a diagnosis of traumatic asphyxia or strangulation, according to the complaint. So I guess he's not dead then. So cool, we can all go home. We're already home. It's a lockdown. Or is that being lifted? What world are we in right now? Um, so I don't know. Maybe he died of natural causes. Just happened to be triggered by a knee to the back of his neck. Whether it was natural or not, that that, that couldn't have helped. So uh, film it is this uh, app where you can, um, you know, you film interactions with the cops. You know your rules. You know the laws. You know your rights. And the cops can't touch you if you're just fil- if you're in your own car filming. You, um, cops can't. They, they'll tell you put that camera away. Put that camera away. We're gonna search your car. No, you're not. Learn the law, man. Learn the law. It's called film it. We're in a new age where you have to take all things upon yourself. Business, law, diet. Back to prehistoric days. I'm bummed. I was really hoping most things would take care of themselves, and I could just write comedy, and that you could just pay other people to do the hard stuff for you. But uh, no, because everyone's trying to make a buck off of your existence. On Friday, uh, attorneys for Floyd's family announced they were going to conduct an independent autopsy. I mean, the psychological toll this takes and seeing it for generations, you know, it's not like a black person is seeing this on TV um, for the first time at 50. As a young boy or girl, they saw this happen. Yeah. 
you know, they've been seeing it since they were a young boy, young girl, and that just gets into the brain. No telling how deep of PTSD that is and what's then unresolved, what's untreated over the years, and how it manifests later on. I just, I can't believe how nonchalant that, that Derek Chauvin, God, it's so close to chauvinistic, it's weird, okay, Derek Chauvin was, like, knee, back of the neck, is he even getting, like, is George even getting things explained to him, this is, like, this is why I'm doing this, you're under arrest right now, all right, we need to do this for such and such a reason, you know, and just let's, you know, make sure we got all the facts here from the $20 bill you just tried to use. Like what? I mean, are you kidding? Uh, or, you know, or do you lure someone in? I think, I think these cops are good at, I see some of the videos and some I'm like, I think he's like luring them in. He's getting the, uh, the driver or the suspect excited and nervous. And so they strike or they say something or they get pushy or they get defensive enough so that a cop feels legally justified to use brutal force. I think there's a ton of luring going on. Lure them into a state where, as a cop, I'm within my rights to be violent. It's like the Mexican-American War. We set up shop close enough to the border to pose a threat. Draw them into battle and then attack. And the land becomes ours. President James K. Polk, number 11. It goes to 11. Uh, he's a one-termer. He wanted to buy that property, right, down there in the southwest to extend manifest destiny. But Mexico didn't want that. So we picked a fight. <clears throat> so I'd like to know what protocol Chauvin, Chauvin was following. I think even the Republicans are like, let's get someone else in there, man. The, Trump doesn't even comment on this stuff. He doesn't come out and say he's sympathetic or that we're one nation. We have to be better than this. It's just blaming because he doesn't know any other way. God, we'll take Pence, Romney, Crenshaw at this point. Let's compromise and just like get some form of calm leadership in there. Still not Bernie, though, right? Too much change. It would help too many people. He's the best for the most amount of people, but that's not what it's about, I guess. <clears throat> okay. Some police are pissed at Chauvin. When things like this happen, they're like, dude, you're not supposed to get caught. You're ruining it for us, man. Get the cameras on all these guys. Doug Stanhope had a great tweet this past week where the National Guard <clears throat> or Trump tweeted how they were ready to ward off the offenders. And Stanhope tweeted something like, have you decided which side that is? Like, who, which side needs protecting? <laughs> you know, send in the National Guard to protect the people, I hope, from the cops. Man, everyone's so sick of the pointless deaths. An age where the richest country in the history of humanity and we have this poverty, racism, scapegoat, justified homicide thing going on. We worship Jesus by killing people who look more like him than we do. Um, wow. It's crazy. And it continues. And it continues. Okay. We're about halfway done with this episode, if you're still listening. Um, I don't know, man. It's funny. I've driven around the last three days in and out like I was near the Fairfax area on Saturday that whole grove area. Eh, I didn't fear for my life. Bunch of kids in the streets. Eh, let it happen once in a while. Get rid of the bad blood. The cops just like in riot gear. Talk to each other. Get out of the riot gear. Undress the riot gear in front of them and go and talk. And listen. And throw an arm around someone. You know. It's one country. I don't know why we act like we've got different armies. 
Yeah. Um, I've been reading a book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson. Clearly, I give an F because I'm saying F instead of the F word. Such a good book. Self-improvement and success often occur together, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the same thing. We can always be working on self-improvement, right? Success comes later, I guess. I don't know. I think he's saying that they're different. So anyway, to, to see what's in front of your nose requires a constant struggle. George Orwell said that. It's so true, right? You read something, great. Put it in practice one day, and the next you're yelling in traffic. And you're like, wait, I had that calmness the other day. Or one day you're void of your desire for possessions, and you think, oh, I'm set for life. I'm never going to go back to that bad thinking. The next you're back to your old tricks, kind of. Uh, another thing from this book, oh, a couple more things. Um, I didn't really understand this so much. Quote, unquote, the, quote, the desire itself for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. Consider that, would you? All things also talks about fear of success being similar to fear of failure because it challenges who we think we are. Oh, yeah. Who we believe ourselves to be. Manson's law of avoidance. That's Mark Manson. The more something threatens your identity, the more you will avoid it. Interesting, whether it's good or bad. Uh, And then lastly, I think, um, Aristotle wrote, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. God, this is so true. Just consider this, Sonny. Just consider it. Um, Like, my dad was great, man, raised Catholic, but considered all waves of life. He considered all ways of life and uh, never got like offended at someone's opinion or stance later on in life, maybe a little bit. Maybe he um, went to the conservative side, but in his heyday, man, being Jerry Keene, was just like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, he'd say, yeah. Like when my, when my mom's dad died, we got back from the trip and my dad's like, all right, you know, he's like rough trip, rough trip. Um, you know, good trip, bad reason. And then he changed my mind. Like, oh, maybe good reason. Maybe good reason. You know, mid seventies, grandpa, heart attack in his sleep. If there's a great beyond after this, a heaven, then, uh, good reason, you know? And he just kind of considered that. That's all. Um, the book also goes on to talk about when someone thinks it's the world against them, it's usually them against themselves. Right. It's usually them against themselves. Me against the world. The world's not that organized. Okay. The world has a problem with itself too. So don't take it so personally. You have to, you know, at some extent, tell the world to go F itself. But these books, man, these books, these, I don't know if they're self-help books or what. They, they just help you get out of your own way and operate on a higher, take your brain to a different place, higher playing field. Um. It's funny, man. After the three-year relationship I was in, it's weird, but I want credit for things I did right. You know, I did plenty wrong, but you still want credit for the good things for your resume. You get out of a marriage, but you're not going to get those, are you? But you get something just as important. Experience, knowledge, wisdom. Take those with you, man, and run. But it's hard that you want credit for that good stuff. and But you just make yourself better every day and... uh 
you know, if that person comes back in your life or you come back into each other's lives, you can revisit. But uh, for the time being, you just got to uh, work on yourself. Joe Batanz is a great friend of mine from comedy and life. He's top eight MySpace friend, great guy. He has a podcast, Joe Batanz does, B-E-T-A-N-C-E, Batanz, and uh, helps people get podcasts off the ground. Just amazing. He helped me and continues to. We talk every Wednesday morning. It's fantastic to have a specific chunk blocked off. You need routines in your life, man. There's nothing better than like a routine to set your day. Like That's why kids need to make that bed. I know there's people that succeed in life that never made their bed or whatever, but it just gives you structure in the day. The bed is the biggest part of your room, usually, well, until you get really rich. But uh, yeah, make the bed, and that keeps keeps most of your room organized. And um, and I think I just have a better day when there's that structure, you know. And then so we talk every Wednesday morning and vent for about a half hour to each other. It's great, and we know we know, and it like cuts up your week nicely. Um, if you ever get to hear him on a pad, podcast, please have a listen. Joe Batanz's name. He seems happy. Check out his podcast. Our friend Tanya, when she met him, had two gaffes. She thought he was an employee at the Improv. She met him. I introduced him to her when she walked in. She's like, oh, cool. Well, we have two more joining us. I'm like, I'm not introducing you to a waiter. Like, this is my friend and yours now. But he laughed. He said he gets that a lot, weirdly, or people think he's a, you know, he's Mexican, but like, there's white white staff at comedy clubs and otherwise. Next day, she calls me. She's like, is your name Joe? Was his name Joe Ant? Because Ant is ethnic. I don't know. He's Greek, I guess. And Ant, A-N-T, is in Joe's last name. Patance. It's not the same order of letters, but it sounds similar. But that was pretty funny. But he was a good sport about that. Good sport. He put up. He put up with some ignorance. Means he's good sport. Uh, okay, um, so I've been driving. I started driving Uber Eats in the evenings, and that has turned into Uber regular at all times. Driving regular Uber all hours. I drove a guy named Ricardo, who's Italian American. Last uh, was that Thursday or Friday? Ricardo two C's, and um, Richard Ricardo Nilodi or Nicodi. Let me see. What's this? It's right here. Richard Ricardo with two C's, Nizzotti, N-I-S-S-O-T-T-I. And this guy is an engineer, and he worked on the Apollo vessel that landed on the moon with Buzz Aldrin and uh, Neil Armstrong and Michael Collins. And this guy's phenomenal, right? I drove him in Uber. He lives in, like, Marina del Rey or something. Or, no, down uh, west of Hawthorne, Redondo. Um... Italian-American, dad was Italian, mama was American. He was born in Italy just before World War II. During World War II, it was already starting over there. So, um, But, uh, you know, I'd driven Buzz Aldrin years ago when I did that PR for Warren County Associates. And I wondered, and I, you know, talking to this guy who's a genius, Ricardo, um, I wonder if asking them about conspiracy theories is a question they're just bored with. Almost like when people ask comics how they handle hecklers. It's just, they're like, oh, it doesn't happen as often as you think unless you have that kind of act that engages them but the next night i drove a guy named uh oscar so 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 sorry so this this engineer real quick he it was his responsibility to create enough space for a third astronaut they had space on the vessel for two he made space for a third and he didn't want the vessel to lose power he didn't want it to gain any weight he didn't want he wanted to be just as light 
with three people as it was for two. And he did it, obviously knocked it out of the park. But he worked on that. He was the head engineer on that. So this is interesting, right? And he's just got one of those minds where you're like, oh my God, little things must bore you so much. Like, you must have an explanation for everything and just, I don't know. There, there isn't a lot of uh, vitriol or mercurial feelings. You don't get worked up over stupid things. So, um, anyway, okay. So the next night, I drive a guy named Oscar, right, who served in Iraq when it started way back in 03. Uh, older guy, older than me, I think. He shot a guy um, and killed him, and he can't get past it. Terrible PTSD. Can't sleep. Terrible dreams. When he can sleep, uh, he was in this. He was here. He was in jail here in the states. Growing up, he was in and out of gangs. But he says none of it compared to war. He said nobody knows who they're fighting and what they're fighting for, uh, or what they're even doing there in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's in Iraq. His son's in Afghanistan. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, he says we're just there as a buffer to the unknown. You know, just to deal with whatever hope it maintains. The status quo. You know. He's just there to deal with whatever, sorry, and hope um, that it maintains the status quo. And they're just this buffer of weird things that happen. Hey, we've got these troops. Let's send them into this weird situation. Okay, that appears to be it's just It's just so Christian and American, you know. But uh, <clears throat> he says they had to shoot a four-year-old because he approached, the four-year-old boy approached their base, and he, the boy was strapped with bombs. They don't know all the time if the kid's holding, caring. But uh, they have to assume he is, and they shoot. They have to shoot children or run them over with tanks. It's, you know, what's, that's the reality. A kid is armed uh, with explosives and he's going to blow up five guys or 10 guys or a whole, you know, unit or bunker or whatever. And uh, the kid's got to go, right? That's what, that's the decision that they're left to deal with. He said this kid had enough bombs on him would blow up an entire block. Um, and they don't know that until after. Now, this is so horrible and tragic, and we shouldn't be there. And I don't know if it would be a relief as a soldier. I think, I think, I got to think there would be some small, small relief there. Like, okay, the kid was armed. We had to do it. Like, to find those bombs on him. But he said he can't get that image out of his head, man. And uh, it's tough. I was hearing all this. I'm like, I got to go home after this. And I'm like, what am, what am I talking about? I'm not going to be able to sleep. I might as well drive continue driving and make money. Um, anyway, this guy, Oscar, his son is in Afghanistan now, and he shot someone there and had to watch them bleed out, and now he can't get that out of his head and wants to come home, and he's having a hard time. So, just brutal, man. It's brutal. So, I was driving uh, downtown a little bit Friday. A few helicopters were circling, and more cars than I've ever seen. Cop cars. Um, so many roadblocks, very bizarre, strange piece though. I got to tell you every, every place I've seen, you know, civilians walking around with homeless people almost on the same side. Let the people have the streets once in a while. Um, even some cops just talking to civilians, like everyone was just waiting out a fight between two guys who just talked smack that wasn't going to happen. It's like what Korea is like when I was in Korea there every night, man, you're walking down the streets and it's just two people you arguing at each other that are drunk and. It's like, is there going to be a fight, or is this just this all the time? You see a few of those in high school, especially at pro- like saw plenty of fights at my public high school and junior high, but rarely at my p- private high school. <laughs> few kids, 
Um, but uh, yeah, talk to each other. Take off the take off the ride gear. Just talk. What's up? Yeah, I know it's a bummer. One of our guys got out of control. It happens. And what are we gonna do to fix it? You know, more black police officers. I don't know. Does that help? Talk to me. I'm trying to shake the ignorance. My own. Uh, anyway, it's trip. As my friend Lou Palovich said, LA is like seven different cities. You know, Uber's affected LA more than any other town. Nobody took cabs. Getting around by cab, Uber, Lyft. It's all new. LA, folks. You know, every other city, you could walk, cab, L train, subway. Uber only added to those. Uber only added to those already existing, you know, transportation. LA has been redefined by it. Um, so anyway, the engineer was great. Um, I had him one day, he and his wife, and I had the veteran ex-con the next day. It's just such a trip. And then last night I had a doctor who was in the NFL for years, and now he's just a consultant in one of the biggest houses I've ever seen up there. And where the hell was that? Um, Calabasas, beautiful place. Uh, so the engineer, yeah, man, the engineer says to consume vitamin C and vitamin D. He's retired now. Vitamin D3 to combat COVID. He's retired. He does a ton of research. That's all he does. And he said C and D. When he said uh, vitamin C and D, I was like, oh, whatever. But then he said he dropped the three after the D. He's like, I need C and D3. Once he said the D3, I'm like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. But um, just a genius, man. No time for simpletons, or maybe all the time in the world. Another reason he was a genius because he was going to In and Out with his wife. He and his wife. We we drove there. I drove them to In and Out. Waited in the line for about forty minutes because it was around dinner time, and then I drove them home. They got two cheeseburgers and a small fry between the two of them, and then we headed back. It was the most modest In and Out order I've ever seen. They ordered extra ketchup and a packet of salt each for the fries. Uh, it was hilarious. I waited in the drive-thru for about 40 minutes, man. I mean, like, I, I don't think I get paid for sitting there. Like, I think I made eight bucks on this fare, but it was just such an interesting trip. I was like, okay, this is weird, but fascinating. I'll take the stories. We need more of that, especially our young people. But that alt menu at In-N-Out is great. Because the last time, few times I've been there, it's uh, been the protein burger wrapped in lettuce. They do a tight, clean job. You'd think it would be sloppy, but it's it's good. And you don't feel as heavy afterwards. Extra crispy fries. They have as many patties as you want. Um, Neapolitan shake, all three flavors. I've tried that. I've never gone over a double-double, Jesus. But uh, I'd like to quit meat eventually. I'm trying pork. as plenty of meat sits in my fridge and freeze. If anybody can help me with that. Um, anyway. Um, so this kid, this guy, this guy was born in Torino, Italy in 38. His mom was American, father Italian, and the Gestapo wanted him dead, but they couldn't prove anything against them. And they finally made it out of Europe. Um, they, they, the Gestapo wanted him dead because the wife was American, but they made it out there, out of Europe and back here to America. And this guy remembers details from like when he was three or four years old, man, early forties. Okay, so I have that couple, this genius couple that you know that worked at NASA and stuff. And then after that, I picked uh, I picked up some guy in his thirties who was going to meet up with some girl he met on Hinge. 
It's just a trip, the Netflix or the uh, the Ubering. Okay, um, real quick, Netflix. I uh, watched the Pharmacist. I don't know if you've seen that. Pharmacist is uh, amazing. It's really good. It takes place in New Orleans. The accent is just. I loved it. This this beautiful man who uh, loses his son to uh, oxycontin, and uh, well, he loses his son to gunshot. I think he's shot and killed, but it was an oxycontin deal gone wrong. But uh, he wanted to go deeper and like help other kids because he was a pharmacist and he saw all these prescriptions coming in from this specific doctor and he went after her and then he went after Purdue Pharma because they were just revving it up. Big pharma. Getting people hooked. It's all about the dollar in America. America has this huge population base that is just used for labor and consumption. And the powers that be tap into that and use people to do terrible work, underpay them, and then profit off them when they medicate because of these jobs we coerce them to do that they hate. Right? Of course, we have free will at one if you can break out of that cycle, but you have to battle and be knowledgeable. Um but it's a beautiful man, a beautiful story. These heroes, man, they come in all forms. Which takes us into the next Netflix show. I also watched the Jeffrey Epstein series. I thought he was just a playboy who may have uh, slipped below the legal age a few times, but uh, not even close. This guy was a rapist, statutory rapist, might have been a date rapist uh, as well, except that I don't think he knew any of the women he raped. Um, Dershowitz and all his pals, Prince Andrew, Dershowitz, Epstein, and many more. I think it's just scratching the surface, but um, dirty guys, man. Dirty guys. That claimed innocence, but why would these women lie? Their lives are in danger. You know, why would they lie? It puts them in danger is what I'm saying. But uh, I almost want to see Epstein come back to life so he can die again, unless he's alive somewhere. Just 18 is young enough. The guy, I mean... It, it, it was such a, a, a fixation that uh, that's why he made the money he did, so he could get away with treating people like this, non-consensually underage girls, teenagers, man. So a couple uplifting documentaries on that. America keeps it interesting, right? Unbelievable. Uh, okay, so we're going to wrap it up now. Where are we here time-wise? Okay, geez, we're, we're, we've exceeded our 30. Our in memoriam for the week, man. We lead off to in memoriam this week. We lost a great comic and great guy this past week named Richard Bain. Uh, a guy I'd met a couple times and hung out. He'd actually come to my house once um, after a show. I had some people over, a few people over after Melissa McQueen's Pasadena um, Barney's Beanery show on Mondays. Everyone came over. We kind of lived in the same area there in Los Feliz. Even if we didn't live in the same area, it's comics. It's a weeknight. Yeah. Um, great guy man out of portland and it was just a couple days after brody's 50th and a lot of great comics knew him and loved him um so i'm sorry for richard's family his friends his uh roommates and him really terrible in portland he was often at a place called suki's in portland it was like a downtown room or a downstairs room but i guess they have great shows there just a sweetheart of a guy i'm finding out didn't know him but uh well but um but I had him over, and I just remember being like a like a little lovable guy. Augie Smith had a nice tribute about him last week. I know people say to reach out if there's issues of potential suicide. I think people going through that are the exact opposite of people who would reach out. I really do. I, I think they're like, yeah, I don't want to 
bother people and then be the guy who needed to be talked off the ledge. That would make me more depressed. Obviously, people have been talked out of suicide. It's just that a lot of times people are at that point that they'd prefer exiting stage left than to prolong it uh, onto someone else. You know, it's hard to explain, but I do get some of it. In their head, maybe they've made sense of it and almost accepted it and are now looking for a time to bow out. I don't know how much of suicide is spur of the moment. I don't know. But I'm just trying to make sense of it myself. We all need a therapist, Therapist, that's for damn sure. Now, friends of mine who hear this episode are going to be like, you all right, man? What the hell? All right? I do have to stop with some of the suicide jokes I've made on Twitter over the years, right? I've done a few, and some buddies like Shane and Todd from back home are like, do I need to worry? <clears throat> no, you don't. Um, so, yeah. Rest in peace to Richard Bain, to, of course, George Lloyd. We lost in Minnesota. Um, I don't know where that Ahmaud Arbery case is. We just don't hear about it now, I guess. Uh, rest in peace to Donna Morrissey, Red Cross executive. I had an appointment to give blood, um, and I was going to have to wear a mask, but I was too paranoid during this pandemic, so uh, I pulled out, but I'll go back. Um, Larry Kramer, playwright, AIDS activist, died at 84. Good long life. Uh, Michelle or Michael Angelis, Angelis, voice of Thomas, Thomas the Tank Engine, died at 68. And uh, God rest in peace. Great lives. Christo, the fearless maker of public artworks, has died at 84. He and his partner Jean-Claude sculpted some of the most iconic sculptures of the last half century. Beautiful. Thank you for your time on the planet. And thank you for your time, guys, listening. Um, let me check emails really quick. Nothing. Um, voicemails. Nothing. Okay. Notes, nothing. Yelp reviews, nothing. Um, have a listen, subscribe. Keen on Things Podcast. You can find me uh, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Keen of Comedy, K-E-A-N-E. Keen of Comedy. And then um, I'm even on TikTok. Patrick Keen 8, I think, which is the same on Anchor. Keep listening to uh, Anchor Podcasts. Like Joe Rogan, I'm on Spotify two big uh, acquisitions there congratulations to spotify guys and uh let's keep doing it and keep learning living and loving all right we'll see you next time keen on things podcast